Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And joining us today is our friend Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for always thanks for being on. Yeah. Uh, tell folks where can they find you at on the interwebs? Yeah, you can find me at Chili Boy YT on Twitter and then Chili Boy Productions over on Instagram and YouTube. All right. Uh, this is another in our series of 13 Days of Halloween, where for the 13 days leading up to Halloween, we talk about a movie in the horror thriller genre. And today's movie is Homicidal. Yeah. So this is a, a William Castle joint. Uh, we've talked about some of his other movies on here before, uh, 13 Ghosts being one of them, and also The Tingler. I can't remember whether we've talked about House on Haunted Hill, but regardless, <laughs> uh, for a period of time there, he was a prolific director of like kind of cheesy horror movies and thrillers. And Homicidal definitely, I think, is more of a thriller. I'll also say, too, that if you haven't watched it, I know it's a 60-year-old movie, but there's definitely an aspect to it that, you know, if you go in kind of cold, um, may work in your favor. But if not, if you just wanted to hear us chat about it, then... Uh, uh, yeah. So basically, it follows uh, a young woman who checks into a hotel and then immediately asks for one of the bellboys to uh, marry her. <laughs> so uh, he does. And then things get really weird and twisty from there. Um, that's all I'll say in my little intro, but we'll talk more about the movie and what happens Um as we discuss it, but I'll throw it over to you, Larry. What did you, uh, what did you think of this? <laughs> yeah, I definitely came in watching for the first time uh, with no knowledge really of what this film was about. And it was a fun one. Uh, definitely part of the post psycho landscape. I'd say definitely has that kind of psycho uh, atmosphere and feel to it uh, and it's fun it has like just the right amount of campy uh, over the top be kind of movie slasher in there that it, it, it knows what, it, what it's doing here and then once you get to that third act a lot of the things I was wondering as I was watching the film really come full circle because uh, there was like some technical aspects where I was like, hmm, the sound is a little bit strange on this specific character. Like um, <laughs> the sound dubbing on him is, I, I don't understand why. Um, is he like a, a holdover from 30 years ago silent actor that they've dubbed over because he didn't have the voice to come to, to, to the screen. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a, a fun film and it's under an hour and a half. It's not even 90 minutes long. It's a pretty quick breezy watch. Yeah. I, I do love a good campy William Castle movie. Um, I don't think this is maybe up there with, um, House on Haunted Hill or even The Tingler, but I, I thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. Um, it's, yeah, obviously inspired by by Psycho. And William Castle is no Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock. So, you know, the movie is not to the level of Psycho, but it's it's interesting in its own right. And I actually think that the, the twist in this movie um, is actually a little more interesting maybe than Psycho's, at least um, today. 
Um, but um, yeah, it, it's enjoyable. Um, I, I felt like I could, I don't know about the audience at the time, but today watching the film, I was able to see the twist coming and maybe, I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to know what you, what you guys thought, but um, it just seemed a bit obvious to me. But I, I think at the time when this movie came out, it would have been quite, quite surprising. <laughs> yeah. Well, as Larry mentioned, you know, this does come out, this came out a year later uh, or a year after Psycho. And I don't know whether this was already a development or not. I think William Castle, you know, I think for what he did, he did it well, but he, I think could probably slap together a movie pretty quickly. So I'm wondering how much this was definitely influenced by Psycho, uh, or the, at least the popularity of it. Um, yeah, it's funny. So I watched this twice actually this past summer and I pretty sure I'd seen it once before because certain aspects of it seemed familiar. However, the, the twist in it, I apparently had forgotten. Because like Larry, I was watching it and, and there's this one character. I'll, I'll say that. So there's a brother and a sister, Emily and Warren. And yeah, Warren, um, definitely sounded a little funny. Like, like as Larry mentioned, he sounded dubbed, right? And I'm like, huh. And then I kept something in the back of my head was gnawing at me. Like, is there something going on here? Like, what's up? What's up with this? And then, of course, you know, we, we find out the reveal. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay. But uh, no, I, I do think this is one of Castle's more serious ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly got a campy element to it, like Larry mentioned. But it's also um, it's also much more toned down than I think some of his other ones have been. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's an interesting watch. As Larry mentioned, it's 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 short, so you you know I mean. You, you don't have to take out too much time of your day to, to watch this kind of campy thriller from the sixties. Um, and then you, you, you get uh, some twists and turns along the way. I'll throw it back to you, Larry. <laughs> yeah. I just always love going back to uh, films that are this old. Um, Cause you know, there's, there's older cinema and then when you get like sixties and the fifties uh, particularly for me, I, it's always so fun to just revisit films from this era and just see the difference in not really filmmaking, but difference in style. Like, uh, even if it is campy, just the big dramaticism of so much of the things that are happening. Um, and, the, you know, <laughs> the, the cutaway near the end <laughs> where society is still, like, so scandalized that they have this, like, heartbeat um, <laughs> countdown as we enter the end of the film before we get the big climax, before we get the big reveal so that if you're too scandalized, you can mm. exit stage left. They give you a minute of, of heartbeat to, to leave the film before, <laughs> before they get to the climax. And I just, I mean, I love it. I love <laughs> seeing stuff like that as a, as a behind the curtain <laughs> moment. Uh, I do think there are some, interesting aspects like the um the woman who had raised the children um being (laughs) so she had gotten polio so she was like it was a polio that she was a mute as well as being in a wheelchair 
And I just found that to be a very interesting point. So she has like this doorknob that she used <laughs> to kind of communicate and just like hit things. I was like, is she trying like Morse code or what? what is there? <laughs> so just to get attention by yelling. So she's like smacking the thing. Um, but getting like those really intense close shots of like her face or of Emily's eyes specifically or her close in shots when she's about to commit a murder. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just uh, really fun. And it's always fun to, to revisit the, the style of, of days gone by. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It it is so wonderfully overdramatic and William Castle always had, you know, a little gimmick, you know, in the te- in the tingler, it was the the buzzers under the seats in the theater that would that would buzz at certain times. In this one, I don't know. It feels kind of weak. It's that fright break that you were talking about, where you know before the, before she can before she goes into the into the house, we we get this break so that the audience members can leave if they if they're not able to to take it. Um, it's kind of lame, but it's it's also hilarious now. <laughs> um, it's one of the joys of watching a William Castle film. <laughs> yeah, I like the fright break in this one actually. Or I, I think I think it's it is definitely very cheesy, but it it it. I mean, you know, you know, that's, and that's the thing. You know, so you know, if we're gonna compare this to Psycho, <clears throat> you obviously see the difference in, in in filmmaking between Alfred Hitchcock and William Castle. William Castle had his limitations, <laughs> and I think he would be the first to have admitted that. You know, I mean, so there. Toward the climax of Psycho, you know, Vera Miles is walk. She goes behind the motel and then she ends up walking up to the the house on the hill. And that scene is a silent scene. You know, there's no dialogue, but there's Bernard Herrmann's score and it's her, you know, and the camera goes back and forth between her face and then the, the Psycho house or the, the base mansion or whatever. And, you know, it, it's, it, it builds tension. Um, and yeah, it's a very effective William Castle in a similar-ish scene in this movie. He's like, "Okay, guys, I'm going <laughs> to put a clock on the screen. You have a minute to leave if you want." It's very, very in your face. It's very showman-like, which you know he was known for. Um. So, do you want to talk about the? the we'll talk now about the, the reveal. So, this is definitely spoiler territory. Um, I just want to get your thoughts, Larry. Um, and just so the audience knows, if you don't already, it turns out that Emily and Warren, the brother and sister, are actually the one same person. Um, and it, it, yeah. So, uh, what did you think of of that reveal? So, I, I obviously trying to trying to piece together once this whole Warren character enters. Uh, as I said, I was like, hmm. <laughs> this dub on this character <laughs> is a choice because the rest of these characters are not dubbed. Um, so <laughs> it made me just really uh, like, okay, what's going on? But I, I, I'm not quite as as smart as Ashley. I don't think. <laughs> I, I started in on thinking, okay, they're obviously in this together. Like Warren is sending them on a runaround type of thing. And he, he's going to be in it too. It's not until almost we get to the reveal. It's in the third act that I really honed in. I was like, wait a minute, 
I don't think we've ever seen these two characters in a scene together, um, except that kind of throwaway, that moment where she goes into the bedroom and obviously is able to throw her voice to sound like him, to be like, oh, good night, darling. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was the moment where I was like, wait a minute. I don't, we have not seen them in a scene together. Are they, are they the same person? Um, so <laughs> I did get it before we got to the to the ending, but not not early enough, maybe. Um, one, I actually think the makeup job was really good on both of them uh, because you can see it, especially when they come out and they do the like casting at the very end of the film, and they're like both of these characters played by so and so, which was like a, a pseudonym name, like a stage, I guess, for her. Um, but I was like, wow, actually, because you can see it that they look similar, but like as they're bopping around, I don't know, they look just different enough that I was like, oh, okay, I think the makeup team actually did quite a good job on the the male Warren form. And I think it was interesting too, like getting the snippets again of like Warren being beaten for not being tough enough um, or manly enough. And then we learned that he was a girl that they were trying to pass off as a boy growing up. Uh, so that they got the inheritance. Because um, at first I thought, okay, maybe we're going down more of a straightforward, clear analogy with Warren as a character. Uh, but now it just turns out, I mean, I guess it's still in a way is, which again, a lot of these, a lot of these old school films, they, they like to like sneak in these little things. Um, this isn't really snuck in. It's more like sledgehammer in at the end. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's a pretty, a pretty daring and interesting twist for the early sixties too. So uh, I think it's a fun one. It's, it's like kind of the OG sleep, <laughs> uh, Sleepover, the camp. Um, oh, sleepaway movie. camp. Sleepaway, sleepaway camp. camp. <laughs> it's like that's the OG twist for sleepaway. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as shocking. Like that one is shocking even still in 2022. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, they did do a good job on the makeup. And in fact, you're right. When they, when they show, you know, both the male and female version of this character at the end, you, you are impressed with the makeup. But then I was thinking, wow she was able to transform herself very quickly between the two in the movie. It just kind of, you know, further strains credibility, but I don't know there, there, I don't know. There was, you're right. The dubbing. And then there was something kind of androgynous about him. It just made me think, um, just led me to, to, to guess what the solution was here, but um, I'm not sure. Do you, do you think this could be used today as a twist? I, I think at the very least, the movie has an interesting take on it in that, this person has been forced to live a gender they don't accept and mm-hmm. <laughs> has made them homicidal. That's not a good, a good outcome, but at least has not been um, a good thing for them. I, I, I'm trying to kind of fit this plot point into today's society and how we could accept it or not. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Well, I will say, you know, just, you know, throw it out there. So Emily slash Warren's dad um, wanted a boy yes. really badly. So the mom, when Emily was born, the mom and then the, the housekeeper or whatever, nanny Helga 
who Larry talked about earlier, they just conspired to basically make Emily live as a boy and told the dad that she gave birth to a boy. And yeah. Um, so that's why, that's why all this deception was going on. Now I will say that, um, Emily and Warren were played by Joan Marshall, who was credited in this as Jean Arless. I think they did that on purpose to misdirect people. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to, so after you and I watched this, Ashley, I, I wrote, I mentioned how I, I wondered whether maybe they should have actually had different actors mm-hmm. play this role. Um, a woman play Emily, a man play Warren who looked similar, but maybe it would have been a bit more of a misdirection. I think you told me at the time you didn't think that would be a, a good idea. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, and this kind of goes into, this is a whole different, we could do a whole episode about the subject. But, um, I found it interesting. I always find it interesting. I think this brings up an interesting question of sexuality, not a deep sexuality, like but a surface level attraction, maybe. Because I'll be honest with you, I found Warren kind of cute, like in a really kind of dorky, handsome way, kind of attractive, right? Um and it reminded me of that movie from the mid '80s, which I I, I want to rewatch again because I, I loved it back in the day. It's called Just One of the Guys, oh, yeah. and that's where Joyce Heiser plays a girl, and I forget why, but the, for, for whatever reasons there are, she has to pretend to be a guy in high school for some reason. And I mean, girls are like falling all over, quote unquote, him. Like, and I will say, Joyce Heiser, she's an attractive woman. She's a really hot guy. <laughs> And it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, right? Like, uh, surface level attractions, like, and, you know, Ashley uses the word like androgynous and stuff. I mean, there's a, you know, it, it's, I think, I think it maybe, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's an interesting topic, you know? Yeah. Um, now, as far as your question about, about could this be done today or whatever? Yes and no. I think that obviously this is fairly relevant in today's society, but I think it's a land, it's a, it's a minefield, right? It's, it, because particularly if you do this kind of a movie where the, I don't know if you want to put the trans label on this person. I don't really know if that in this particular situation it qualifies, but it gets toward that territory, right? Or at least cross dressing anyway. The fact that they turn out to be homicidal, right. I think, probably wouldn't be exploiting it. It would be it would be viewed as yeah purposes. Yeah. Um, so I think because of that negative tinge, I, I don't know if you could make this movie about that today. What do you think, Larry? Yeah, it's like an interesting idea of because it, it really does delve into you know, gender identity pretty well, like in an interesting way, because this one is more forced. Um, you're like forced into the opposite gender, which could be a great uh, analogy, obviously, on gender identity and how that manifests itself. I think maybe if you got a trans writer <laughs> and they wanted to do this and used it as a form of self-expression on their own experience, I think it could work, but it has to come from a perspective, like a lot, actually, still today, from within the community. And this one would have to specifically be, I think, from within the trans community. Like, it can't be a gay male writing it. It can't be a a lesbian female writing. No, it has to be within the trans community. And then 
I think it should be should be okay. It, it is a minefield. It's a it's it becomes tricky. All right. So, what would you give this out of ten? I I had a lot of fun with it. I'm, I definitely didn't know what to expect um, coming in. I didn't know. I was like homicidal. Okay, let me see if I can find it. I'm not <laughs> sure what they're asking me to watch, but I'm down. Um, and it was a lot more fun than I was anticipating. All the cheesiness, all the, the fun, ridiculous camp that I live for, <laughs> a literal shadow of a woman's head rolling off of her body, <laughs> cut to the sister screaming, um, was just wonderful. And then we have the very hunky Glenn Corbett in this film as well that I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I'd probably give it like a... A 7.5 or an 8 out of 10. I had fun. Well, which one of those? <laughs> uh, I'll go 8. I'll go 8. Okay. Ashley? Uh, I, I'll go 7. All right. I give it a 7.2. Uh, <laughs> so our score is a 7.4. And that is William Castle's <laughs> Homicidal, as I keep referring to it in the title. Homicidal. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, another, another little homage. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so thank you all for listening. Larry, thank you again for joining us. 